0: Luke chapter 9 and verse number 32, the Bible says, But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were awake, they saw his glory and the two men that stood with him. And it came to pass as they departed from him, Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here, and let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias, not knowing what he said. Father, I pray tonight in Jesus' name, Lord, that you'd grant us liberty. I pray you'd give us the message that you have laid on our heart. Help us to be obedient to you. And may we preach the word of God uh, without the fear and favor of man. But may we preach it with compassion in our soul tonight. Speak to every heart. God, do what we stand in need of. And may you be glorified. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I preached this morning on on this subject on praying in the glory and certainly we need to pray in the glory and uh, I was praying this afternoon and God said go right back to that text and I want to pick up Uh, in this text where we left off this morning, and I want to preach on this subject, on participating in the glory. Amen? Uh, It's one thing to pray in the glory, but we ought to also participate in the glory. Now, what we see in this text here, as we said this morning, Jesus takes the disciples up on the Mount of Transfiguration, and the Bible says in verse number 28 that he went up into a mountain, the latter part of that verse, he went up into a mountain to pray. And as he prayed... Bible says that his countenance was altered and that his uh, raiment was white and was uh, uh, was glistering. And so Jesus prays in the glory of God. And I want to say, as I mentioned this morning, you'll never have the glory of God until you first spend the uh, time in prayer with God. But wanna, I want to draw your attention tonight, not so much to Jesus, but I want to draw your attention to the disciples. Amen? Because what happens in this text is that Jesus prays in the glory and the then the disciples become the beneficiaries of that glory, they get the privilege and the opportunity to participate in the glory of God that is on that mountain. I want to stop and say there was nothing special about the disciples. Isn't that right? I mean, they were subject to like passions as we are. They was ordinary men, but God, in his mercy and in his grace, allowed ordinary men to experience the glory of God at first hand. And can I say that's what God does to us tonight? Are you my own? He allows us the privilege and opportunity to experience the glory of God firsthand. There's nothing special about me. There's nothing special about you, but yet the grace of God sometimes, as you sung that song a while ago, the Lord will just pass by our way and we'll feel the presence of God and we'll see the glory of God on the faces of people. We'll see the glory of God manifested in our midst and we need when that happens, we need to participate in it. And that's what we see here about the disciples. As I said this morning, God will not share his glory with anybody. And let me just stop and say, there's a lot of people trying to rob God of his glory. A lot of people, ministry is about them. Church is about them. But God shows up when church, the emphasis gets off of us and he gets on the Lord, amen? I don't want nobody to see me. I just want them to see Jesus. Isn't that right? And friend, that's what this text and that's what this mountaintop experience is all about. It's not about seeing Moses. It's not about seeing Elias and we'll see that later on in the text uh, but it's all about seeing one person and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And brother that's what worship is. It's when we get our eyes off ourselves we get our eyes off of others uh, we get our eyes off this world and off of our problems and we fix our eyes on the one who is worthy of it all, the Lord Jesus Christ. In this text tonight I want you to notice that in verse number 32 I see that the disciples are surrounded by this glory. The Bible says here in verse 32, but Peter and they that were with him. Now notice Jesus is in all his glory. Moses and Elijah Elijah shows up in all of their glory. And the Bible says in verse 32 that Peter and they that were with him. In other words, they had the privilege of just being bystanders to stand back and to watch the glory of God go to work. And can I tell you that's what I like about church. When God passes by, it doesn't make no difference if I'm if I'm just sitting in a corner somewhere. So I'm telling you, it's a privilege just to watch God go to work and the glory of God be upon his people. And so I see here that they were surrounded by his glory. I see also in verse number 32 that they were sleeping in his glory. Notice what the Bible says. But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. Now, isn't that something tonight that these disciples, Brother George, uh, at a time, we're talking about Jesus in all of his glory. Moses and Elijah is there, and Peter, James, and John are asleep. You say, preacher, why would they be asleep with Christ in all of his glory? I want to tell you one of the reasons I believe that is. It's because if the disciples were known for anything, I'm talking about these three, they were known uh, uh, that whenever Jesus would go to pray, they'd always go to sleep. You remember when Jesus was praying in Gethsemane's garden and the disciples went to sleep and Jesus said to them, watch and pray. And listen, and then they slept a third time and Jesus said, sleep on. I'm telling you, these men oftentimes would sleep whenever Jesus was praying. And what I see happening in the church a lot of times is the glory of God is manifested, but you've always got some folks that are sitting there, they're not conscious of the heavenly things that are taking place. In other words, uh, listen, there was spiritual things going on all around Peter, James, and John but yet they was asleep in the midst of it all. And I don't want to be critical of these men. I just want to say if you and I are not very careful listen, we can miss out on the glory that is being manifested before our very eyes. You can take a good church for granted. You can get to the place where you're just, listen, this is just normal run of the mill and you can miss out on the glory of God. I want amazing grace to still be special, don't you? I want the songs that we sing in the choir. I want when brother uh, so and so gets up and testifies I I still want it to be real and and thrill my heart. Sin when it gets in your life, listen, it will put you to sleep spiritually. You'll become numb to the things of God. You won't even realize that you're no longer being stirred and you're no longer being challenged. You're no longer being moved uh, by what's taking place around you. It's almost like spiritually you slip into a coma and my friend you become unconscious to what God is doing. You no longer use the altar. You no longer get thrilled about the house of God. You lose your fervency. You lose your your desire uh, my friend, to give God more. You become cold and in place uh, and you just sit there and warm a pew and just go through the mechanics of worship. Oh, you still have a good church. Uh, You're still faithful week in and week out, but the fire is not lit and the fire is not burning in your soul no more. You can pass it off by saying, I do good works uh, and boy, I do this and I do that and I'm faithful to my church all that stuff is commendable but I want to remind you that Jesus said in Ephesians chapter 2 to the church of Ephesus he commended them for their works and their labor and their patience and how they couldn't bear them that bore false witness my friend how that they would not bear them which was evil and the Bible says that they had labored for even his namesake and had not fainted but nevertheless he said I have somewhat against thee that you've left your first love. Friend, here's a church that's laboring for the very name of Jesus, but they're doing it all without any fire in their soul. There ought to be something that rises up in your heart tonight. There ought to be something that thrills your soul every time you hear the name Jesus mentioned. Isn't that right? So when I think about that, I see my friend that they were sleeping in his glory. I wonder tonight how many sleepy saints we have in the house of God. Not only do I see that they were sleeping in his glory, but the Bible says in verse number 32 that they were startled by his glory. The Bible says that when they were awake, In other words, they didn't wake up on their own, but the glory of God woke them up. That's what we need to happen tonight. We need a glory of God to wake us up. Boy, I'm telling you, I see Peter, James, and John. They're fast asleep while Jesus is praying, but the next thing that wakes them up is the Shekinah glory of God. To their surprise, they don't know if they're in heaven or on earth. They see Jesus, they see Moses, and they see Elijah. But friend, listen, I know the glory of God may amaze every one of us. But I don't want it to startle me, amen? In other words, I don't want it to catch me off guard. I don't want to go to church and when somebody shouts or testifies, listen, I don't want to get to the place where I reject that or where I no longer want to be around that. Friend, I want to be in a church where there's some fire, amen? I've been in churches when people testified. Other people got offended because they were testifying. Been in churches, my friend, when somebody got up it was I've been in this church and it scared people to death. Come in and visit and and see Baptists on the sign and we're Baptists without apology. We're not charismatic, but we're not dead neither. Somebody say amen. At least I hope we're not. And they'll come in and boy, it'll get cranked up sometime, God'll start moving and they'll look around and think, man, I thought this was a Baptist church. No, what it is, the average Baptist church today is dead. But this book is alive. The spirit living inside of us, if we're saved, is alive. Amen. God is not dead. And we shouldn't be dead. When we go to church, we ought to go to church with a purpose, to say amen, to raise our hand, to worship God. We ought to get in, not get out. Friend, we ought to get in the service and give it all we got and give God all we got, cause God deserves nothing less than our best. Uh, and that's not just here and there. I appreciate good testimonies, and hey, I thank God for people that testified tonight. I love testimonies. I think you ought to have testimonies every single time you go to church. Uh, uh, but if that's the only time you get excited, friend, you need you need to get uh, you need revival tonight yourself, uh, uh, brother. I'm telling you, listen. This is a group effort tonight, and we're to worship God not because we're worthy, but because He's worthy. Amen my own. I'm saying I don't want to be startled by his glory. I see they were startled by his glory. But then in verse 32, uh, the Bible tells us that they were seeing his glory. It emphasizes that. As the word of God says, and when they were awake, notice this, they saw his glory. I'm telling you, listen, they were privileged tonight to be able to look and to see Jesus in all of his glory. And this glory that they saw tonight was both holy and it was heavenly. Amen. You see, this is something we cannot compromise on. You cannot have the glory of God without holiness. There is positional holiness and there is progressive sanctification. What that means is when you get saved, positionally you can never be holy enough. All of our righteousness, the Bible says, is filthy rags. When it comes to salvation, God had to wash us in his blood, seal us with his Holy Spirit, and impute the righteousness of Christ to our account because man within himself, no matter how many works he keeps, no matter how many lists, or no matter how many laws he holds, uh, he can never be holy within himself, and God knew that. So that's why Jesus came. If you're here tonight and you say, why did it take a sacrifice? Why did it take a human life? Why did it take God? Shedding his blood. Why does the Bible say without the shedding of blood there's no remission of sin? The simple answer to that question tonight is this because man could not save himself. Man is not holy enough. Man is not righteous enough. Man could never pull himself up by his own bootstraps. uh, So it took a holy God. It took a righteous God coming, my friend, in humanity, being born of a woman, but yet having the blood of God in his veins. uh, It took him. Coming to this earth as a man, but yet as God, and bearing the reproach and the sin of every man, woman, boy, and girl, and pouring out his life's blood. And when that blood was shed, my friend, it was shed for every guilty sinner that would ever trod this earth. It was shed for every guilty sin that would ever be committed, and it becomes a covering uh, for our unrighteousness. uh, And the covering of that blood tonight makes you and I righteous. uh, in the eyes of God and without the blood oh I say without the blood tonight without the blood there'd be absolutely no hope but when God looks down he looks on the altar he looks on the mercy seat he sees the blood of his own darling son and it covers you and I from our sin tonight and thank God when he sees me he don't see me as I really am he sees the blood of Jesus he sees the blood has been applied that's why he told that death angel or why he told the children of Israel that when the death angel comes by if the blood was put on the doorpost when the death angel come by when he sees the blood he said he'll pass over you I'm going to tell you the day that God saved you you know what the Holy Ghost did he put the blood on the doorposts of your heart and now when God sees us he don't see us as we are he passes by because the blood has been applied, amen. That's positional tonight. But there's another side to holiness that men don't preach much anymore and it's progressive sanctification. And I wanna highlight the word progressive, meaning that whenever you get saved, it doesn't happen overnight. Somebody say amen. There's a growth process and by the way, you never arrive you're going to have to progress in sanctification to the graveyard. And we're still going to come up short. We're going to keep progressing and growing in that sanctification, growing in that holiness. But we're never going to reach perfection down here. But thank God when we draw our last breath, we will have done all that we could have done. And what we come up short with, thank God He's going to fix it on the other side. He's going to give us a brand new body. He's going to give us a brand new hope. I'm telling you, friend, we're two-thirds saved right now what I mean by that he saved our soul he saved our spirit but this old body has not been eradicated but thank God whenever this tent has folded when this old tabernacle's been dissolved we'll wake up in his likeness we'll wake up in his glory and thank God we'll be my friend for the first time we'll be complete in him hallelujah what a joy that's gonna be ain't it? but until then you know what he tells us to do live a clean life second Corinthians 7 and verse number one the Bible says you can mark this verse down 2 Corinthians seven and verse 1 7 having therefore these promises dearly beloved what are those promises in first Corinthians chapter numbers or second Corinthians chapter 6 he said come out from among them and be a separate saith the Lord that's God that said that isn't it It's not what the preacher says. It's not what the church says. It's what the Bible, it's what the Lord said. Come out from among them. Now, who is them? That's this world, amen? Come out from among them and be you separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And he said, I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. What is God saying in that text? He's not saying that if you'll come out from the world, you can be saved. No. We get saved out of this world, don't we? And Paul's not writing to sinners, he's writing to saints. Paul says to them in that text, he said, if you'll come away from this world, he said, I will receive you and I will be a father unto you and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. He's not talking about relationship, he's talking about fellowship. You see, tonight my dad lives an hour away and we're related. It doesn't matter if we live an hour away or if I live on the other side of the world. But if I want to fellowship with him, I've got to leave where I'm at and go to where he is. And if I leave where I'm at and go where he is, guess what? He'll receive me. Isn't that right? I can, I, can, I can go to that house tonight and he'll open the door and he'll receive me. And he'll be a father to me, I meaning he'll sit down and he'll talk to me as a father talks to his son, and I'll talk to him. And listen, we'll have our fellow, we'll have fellowship. You know why? Because I left the spot that I was in. And that's what God is saying. He said, having therefore this, these promises, dearly beloved. If you'll come away from this world and then come to God, he said, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness, notice this, of the flesh and of the spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Now you don't hear that preached a lot nowadays uh, because people want you to think that you can just be saved and float along life and just have all the blessings of God you want. Listen, you can be saved, but if you're going to have the blessings of God, you're going to have to cleanse yourself. There's a cleansing that only God can do. And then there's a cleansing tonight that man must do. It's kind of like getting up in the morning time. You have to take a a shower every day. And uh, that responsibility, unless you're, I'm not talking about an infant tonight, but every teenager, every adult, even every young child has the responsibility of cleansing themselves. When I was growing up, I remember my mom would always say, be sure and wash behind your ears and be sure and use soap. Y'all remember those days? You don't have to tell girls that, but you ought for some reason you got to tell boys that when they hit puberty that they just think soap is something they're scared to death of. And if I if me and my brother come out of the shower, sometimes she'd walk by and she'd smell, see if she could smell that ivory soap on you. Isn't that right? You know what she taught us? We have our own. We have a responsibility to be clean. Sometimes you don't even have to do anything. You don't, you, you don't have to get out and sweat. You don't have to work a 10-acre field to, to get dirty. You know that. You don't even have to break a sweat. If you just sit there long enough, guess what? You'll need a bath. Somebody say amen. You know you can sit right where you're at. If you sit there long enough, I promise you, you're going to go stinking after a while. You know why that is? Because that old flesh that you're living in, it's rotten, friend. It's corrupt. It has to be clean. And it's not just true physically, but it's true spiritually. Hey, I wonder how long has it been since you had a spiritual bath? How long has it been since you've been made clean in the word of God? That's why we read the Bible every day. That's why we spend time in prayer because the word of God cleanses our mind and prayer cleanses our soul. And what he's saying is that if you'll come out from this world and be separate, God said, listen, if you'll cleanse yourself, you can have this promise of fellowship. In other words, if you want to see the glory of God, then my friend tonight you have got to cleanse yourself and then I see them sharing his glory the bible tells us that there were two men that stood with him moses and elijah it wasn't just peter james and john in this glory but there was others i love to share the glory of god I see in this text tonight that as Peter begins to speak in verse number 32, I want you to notice that he begins to participate in the glory of God. In verse 32, I see that as he participates, uh, they just something wrong. Peter, he blesses heart, he tries to do what's right. And I want to say I can identify. There's times I've tried to do what's right, but I've come up short. Here's a text where Peter comes up short. I'm talking about participating in the glory. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about just not sitting in church, but being involved. I'm talking about doing more than just existing. If you just exist, you'll backslide on God. Peter, as he was participating in this glory, he should have paid more attention to the saints that were with him in glory. The Bible said in verse number 32, notice this, but Peter and they that were with him were asleep. Verse 33, and it came to pass that as they departed from him, Peter is not by himself. He's about to say something, but I think Peter would have done well to just look at James and John and see what they was doing. You know, there's a time to say something and there's a time to be silent. Sometimes it would do as well to look at older saints and learn from them. Amen. 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 Sometimes in church, if you have been saved a a little length of time, if you're not careful as you begin to grow and God begins to do something in your life, you'll think you're a super saint. That's That's been the word of the day, it seems like. You know what I'm talking about? You know, a good way to find out how spiritually mature you are tonight is think how many years have you been saved and living for God, that's about how much you are in Christ. I've been saved 28 years so I've not even reached the prime yet of, being, of, of, cry, of serving God. And in that 28 years, I should calculate if I've been saved 28 years, then I need to deduct all the time that I, that I didn't spend uh, pursuing God like I should have in old Lord. Where does that put us at? See, if you've been saved 10 years, take off the years you didn't read your Bible and pray. Amen? Take off the time you didn't listen to the preaching. Well, that number's getting a little bit smaller, ain't it? You know why that's good for us tonight? Because it reminds us we're not as strong as we think we are. We're not as spiritually tall, and this pastor included, as what we think we are. It brings us to the point of reality, of realizing that, hey, there's people beyond me that I can learn from, and that I should look at how they conduct their lives. If you've been saved over 40 years, would you stand up for just a moment? If you've been saved over 40 years, I want you to look at this tonight. Most of these people standing here tonight don't say very much in church, but there's a lot to be learned from them, isn't it? Here's the backbone, and I'm not minimizing anybody else, but here's the backbone of the church tonight. It's in backlogs. Even as the pastor tonight, these people are my elders. Amen? You can be seated tonight. They've got something that we lack. It's not book learning, although they're probably smarter than most of us. But you know what they have that you can't get out of a book? It's experience. They've lived life and they've lived for God and they've, they're further down the road than what we are tonight. I think that brings us into reality to where we stand with God. Peter, if only Peter would have looked at those. I mean, we're talking about Moses and Elias. Is standing there. Let me ask you a question. If you was on Transfiguration and Jesus is in His Shekinah glory and standing on one side of Him is Moses, that Old Testament patriarch, been 1,500 years since he stepped foot on earth, led the children of Israel through the wilderness, across the Red Sea, through the wilderness. I mean, I'm talking about. Listen, drew water out of a rock and we can just got the Ten Commandments. I'm talking about been with on the mountain with God for 40. I'm talking about for 40 days. And on the other side of Jesus, there's Elijah who performed eight miracles, had the power of God and listen, whose predecessor was Elisha and listen uh, laid his mantle on him who performed 16 miracles. I'm talking about on one side is Moses on the other side is Elijah and he's been gone for about 900 years. Uh, They've been in heaven that long and they just show up on that mountaintop and then Peter wants to talk. (laughs) Lord I got something I want to say. I don't know about you, but I believe I'd take about three steps back and be quiet. Maybe y'all don't know what I'm saying tonight, but I'm telling you, I get around older men of God and older saints of God. There's a level of respect and there's a level of response. It just makes me want to be quiet sometimes and listen to what they have to say. I think Peter... Should have paid more attention to those saints. I think he should have paid more attention to the Savior and God reprimands him for that. I think he should have paid more attention to his own statement. He says, Lord, it's good for me to be here. If he'd have cut her off right there, he'd have been all right, wouldn't he? Oh, my soul, I thought to myself, there'd been times where Laddie, if I'd have just cut it off right there, I'd have been okay. That was a good statement for Peter to make. Lord, it's good for us to be here. I think I can say amen to that. I think Moses and Elias would have said amen to that. I think Jesus would have said amen to that, but he had to take it a step further. Boy, I'm telling you, sometimes we have to be careful what we say. If we're not careful, we'll rob God of his glory. If we're not careful... And I'm not talking about just in church, but in our own life. And So Peter tonight, I see that in his life. And I want to close with this thought here. Not only should he have paid attention to that statement, but I, I want to say this tonight. He should have paid attention to, the, uh, to his own spirit. The Bible said in verse number, uh, verse number 33 that he wanted to build these tabernacles for Jesus, Moses, and Elias. But to look what the Bible says in the latter part of verse 33, not knowing what he said. Not knowing what he said. I, I think Peter just got in a big way and he wanted to do something for God so bad. He said, Jesus, this is wonderful. Man, it's so good for us to be here. Let's, let's build tabernacles. But it wasn't a time to be working. It was a time to be worshiping. Peter, he wanted the sovereignty without the suffering. He wanted that diadem without the death, and and God is going to speak to him and remind him that, hey, you don't need to worry about nobody but Jesus. In fact, the Bible says in Matthew that when when they saw, when that cloud departed, they saw no man save Jesus only. And tonight, that's what we need to do. We need to see no one but Jesus. We need revival tonight. We need need God to stir in our hearts and our lives, we need God to stir in our church, our, our nation. Certainly needs revival. But more than our nation, right here, right now, tonight, in this place, we that are here, we need revival. We don't need to worry about the country tonight. We need to worry about the pew we're sitting on, the pulpit that I'm standing behind tonight. We need revival. We need to move closer to God. We we need something that'll last when the lights are turned out tonight that'll go home with us, that'll come back with us Wednesday night and weeks to follow. We need to move up closer to God. I was talking to Brother Sean earlier this morning. We was just talking about this very thing. How that just one person can hold the key to the entire service by their obedience to God. But tonight... That one person has to be they have to lay aside those weights those those besetting sins in order for God to work in their life. And I wonder as we stand tonight are you here tonight and need to get right with God? Are you here tonight and you need to get closer to God? Would you, you obey the Lord if He speaks to your heart tonight? If you hear that voice don't run from Him run to Him tonight. Don't walk away from Him walk to Him tonight. If He's troubled your heart and if He's dealing with your soul about something or someone in your life, would you do what God would have you to do tonight? Oh, we need revival. We need, we need God to, to stir in our midst once again tonight. And as Brother Blake sings, you mind the Lord tonight if He speaks to your heart.
1: Have
0: thine own way, yes, Lord. Would you let
1: God... Have thine own
0: way. Let God have His way in your life tonight.
1: Thou art the potter, Would you let the Lord do
0: what He needs to I do? I am the Clay. He died for you. He loves you. More he paid the ultimate price for Him, for you, for me. He died for you. Would you live for reign. Him tonight? Would you surrender your heart, your will, to His will tonight?
1: Yes. While we sing, if you need to come, let God have His way tonight. Have thine own way,
0: Lord. Have thine own way. Is God speaking to you tonight? Search me
1: and try me, Master, today. Whiter than snow. now as in thy presence
0: humbly I bow. hey listen look at before we sing this last verse tonight don't let anything hold you back if, if there's something tonight you need to put on this altar and you need the business you need to do with God don't let anything hinder you tonight amen come tonight humble yourself let God help you While we sing this verse, others are praying. This altar's still open. Don't let anything hold you back from being closer to God tonight. If He's spoken to you specifically, and you know that, be obedient to Him while we sing. Have thine own way. tonight for the service. Thank you for your presence once again. Pray God that you'd help us this week. May you be glorified in what we say and do in Christ's name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Good to be in God's house tonight. And uh, uh, if everyone's one's heart and mind is clear, we'll close the service out. But uh, anything need to be said before we dismiss tonight? Amen. All right. Good to have this missionary family with us tonight amen the, the comb family and we appreciate them coming and uh being with us in the service tonight and certainly be uh praying for them And uh, don't forget this coming Wednesday night, uh, be back in in the house of God. Let's come looking for the Lord to do great things. I want to ask all the young people, if you would, come on up to the choir for about 15 minutes and let Brother Brian uh, go over just a few songs with you tonight. All the young people, young adults, if you sing in a youth choir, would you come on up here right now we'll fill the youth choir up and just take about 15 minutes and we'll be done tonight. And so just need to do this. We hadn't sang in two months on Wednesday night, and so uh, just need to touch up.